ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. Man, check this out. <laughs> On this episode, we're going back. Um, The other day, I was in Houston, right? And I'm going out and I'm going for a run. And it's literally 8 o'clock in the morning. So I'm trying to get a run in and... When I step outside, the heat literally smacked me in the face. And I mean, like, it was so hot. It, it really isn't supposed to be that hot that early in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, normally most places it starts getting hot around 10, 11 o'clock or whatever the case may be. But this particular day, it was scorching. And that heat, I want to say it was like 92 degrees at 8, at 8 a.m. Nonetheless, it made me think back to the days of training camp. <laughs> the days of training camp for me, what I mean by that is, um, as many of you know, maybe you don't know, uh, I played college football at the illustrious South Carolina State University. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching the helmet right here. It's my helmet. Um, but yeah, it made me think about training camp. And you see the cover art and the title, So Hard to Be a Bulldog. And I came to that because like that was literally the same. There was a song that we used to sing uh, called So Hard to Be a Bulldog. Just to give you some uh, information that is the school mascot, the bulldog. Um, and it truly was hard to be a bulldog, particularly when you're coming to camp because training camp isn't something that's grind. It's not something that's glamorous. It's not something that's spectacular. There are some positives and some negatives, but I want to kind of take you a trip down. I'm taking you on a trip down memory lane. Um, as I talk about the, the, the training camp days for me, um, now, if you follow the podcast, you know that I did uh, <laughs> an episode uh, probably a couple of years ago called Six Minutes. And on that, I talked about, you know, that six minute run that you had to make uh, when you got back to training camp. Um, when you got back to school and training camp in the fall, uh, it's in the endurance test. We used to call it the mile because you had to run a mile and you had to run the mile in six minutes flat. If you didn't make your time, you had to run it again. And you had to run it again and again and again until you made your time. Um, well, not everybody had to make it six minutes. In my position, uh, because we ran by positions, my position, wide receiver, we had to make our time at six minutes. Um, but I talked about that, so I won't go into detail about that. But I wanted to kind of take you on a trip down memory lane um, as far as training camp and why it was so hard to be a bulldog um first and foremost man let me tell you something getting back to training camp when you first get back on campus um it is so dope it is so cool uh most 
people, um, particularly if you're an upperclassman, maybe you spent the summer on campus. Uh, South Carolina State's located in uh, Orangeburg, South Carolina. Uh, if you don't know, <laughs> it is a historically black college and university, a.k.a. an HBCU. Um, so, you know, you could spend your summer in Orangeburg, you know, summer school, some dudes went to summer school, whatever the case may be. Um, and geographically, Orangeburg is in South Carolina, but when it comes to temperature wise, in the summertime, it literally feels like you're about 10 miles from the equator because there's literally no place hotter on the face of the earth than Orangeburg, South Carolina in, in July, in June, July, and August. I, I, I will stand on that. Um, not even Death Valley out west. But anyway, when you get back on campus, it's always dope because one, there's a, a, a very good... It's a really great feeling on campus. Um, one is because of the optimism of the school year starting. So you have people coming back on campus who, you know, haven't been on campus. And then you have, you know, like me in the fall of 1991, a freshman, uh, someone arriving on a college campus for the first time. And that's special in and of itself. It's somewhat nerve wracking uh, looking back on it. Um, there was a lot of anxiety. I probably didn't um, diagnose it as anxiety at the time, but uh, a lot of anxiety because, you know, you don't really know what to expect. Um, in this particular year, I, I didn't know what to, I mean, I knew that I'd have this endurance test. I knew that I wanted to play college football and I knew that this was the place where I wanted to be. Um, and then after that, it was just like, it was on from there. Um, so we had, the situation where, um, you know, you come to play and you come to give it your best because obviously you're getting ready for the season. So as you're getting ready for the season, you know, there's a level of optimism. There's also a level of skepticism because, you know, some people aren't going to make it. <laughs> um, some people aren't going to get playing time. Some people aren't going to make the team. Some people aren't cut out for college football period and you quickly figure that out uh but one of the dope things about being on campus was um one seeing your teammates um even my freshman year even though i didn't know anybody and i knew nobody um i ended up going to uh and i mean <laughs> i mentioned before on, on previous podcasts and it's worth repeating like south carolina state wasn't my first choice um as far as schools to go to and once I made my decision, I committed to South Carolina State, and so did my high school quarterback and my high school tight end. So two of my, my teammates, we were all going to South Carolina State University. So that was dope. But the problem was they didn't qualify academically our freshman year, so they couldn't play. They couldn't be on the field. And so it was going to have to be another year before, even though they, they had enrolled in the school, um, they weren't going to be able to be on the field with me at least until the next year. Um, so that sucked, but I was able to, you know, make friends pretty quickly or whatever. And I'll touch on that in just a second. Um, but it's always a great feeling to be on campus. So we get on campus as freshmen and um, 
you know, I know that part of football is two days. Now, two days in high school <laughs> and two days in college, two different things. Uh, two days means that you practice twice a day. There's a morning practice and then there's an afternoon practice. At South Carolina State, our, our morning practices went from like eight to ten, and then the afternoon practices from like four to six. So, in theory, you're not on the field that long, but you really are. Um, I can't really tell you the level of pain <laughs> and the level, uh, the, the pressure that it and the toll that it takes on your body when you're going through two days. I mean, like everything hurts. Your legs hurt. Your legs feel like jelly. Um, keep in mind that when you get to camp, the first thing you do the first day, everybody checks in. The second day, everybody goes goes and gets their physical. Once you get your physical, the third day, once everybody's physicals are complete, you do the endurance test, which is running in the mile, six minutes. And so after that, once you run the mile, provided that you make it, <laughs> Um, you got practice the next day. It's two days. So there's no like orientation or whatever like that. You you really jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. And that's what it is. And so I mean, like, I felt I've never my body has never gone through anything like that. And it's always interesting because, like, you know, as athletes, you train yourself each year. Um to get ready for the endurance test. You train yourself to mentally get ready for the upcoming football season. You train your body to, you know, get ready to deal with the rigors of a full college football season. But it's a lot. And I mean, like people see the results on Saturdays, uh, but they have no idea, you know, what these athletes put themselves through just to get to that point. Right. And you're doing it on scholarship and if you're not good enough, you know, they will cut you. <laughs> so it's a lot of stuff at play here. Uh, and it's, and at least now, you know, it wasn't the case in 1991, but now it's big business. You know, I mean, college football is, um, you know, a billion dollar business and they treat it as such. And so you have to show and prove. Um, but anyway, so like you, we would go to practice first practice so let's say you we, we ran the mile that uh, on monday and then tuesday we start practice so the first two days you get out there and we might be in just shorts and helmets and we had this drill or this event if you will it's called the county fair now the county fair might vary if you played sports you may particularly if you play football and you're listening to this you probably remember this but the county fair, I actually, we had a thing called a county fair in high school too, where they had different drills set up around the football field, different agility drills. And everybody had to do them and you rotate it and you do them for like two minutes or so. And then the coach blows the whistle, you rotate to the next one. Um, the county fair was rough because you're training and working on different parts of your body. And again, it's Orangeburg, South Carolina. So it's 90 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning, just like it was that Houston morning. Um, and so like, I'm like, wait a minute, like 
that's just a lot. And then keep in mind, you just ran a mile the day before. So your legs are just tired at the end of practice. Your legs are gone, feel like jelly, um, and you just want to sit down somewhere. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, after practice, you go to the calf, get something to eat. And the one thing they told us as freshmen is like, hey, make sure you get off your feet. What do you mean get off my feet? Sit down. Don't be standing up. Save your energy. Now, we had one or two guys that would always be, you know, playing around and stuff like that. But for the most part, in between practice and in between the first practice and the second practice, what they really wanted to do is come back to the dorm after you ate lunch. Come back to the dorm. Get off your feet. Maybe take a nap. um, Rest your body because you had to get ready for that afternoon practice. And so second practice comes. And you're running plays and you're running and running and running. And it's a lot. And so your body and and again, it's now it's even hotter than it was. <laughs> so if it was 90 degrees at eight o'clock, it's now tipping at 100 right now, maybe 102. And again, this is Orangeburg. I mean, like you literally you could see the waves of heat rising off the field. And we played on grass. We weren't, you know, <laughs> we weren't playing on field turf like these kids are nowadays. Um, and so you eat, you rest, you go to second practice and you go to the second practice. You get, you get through that practice. So after that practice ends, you got to go get something to eat again. So you eat dinner, then you eat dinner. Then we had to go to the, what we call Nance hall. Shout out to Nance hall, go to Nance hall, team meeting, watch film. And you do that for like another two hours. And then you go back to the dorm. Now, it's up to you once you go back to the dorm. I mean, you got an 11 o'clock, what was it, 10 or 11, 11 o'clock curfew. I mean, you could try to do something or whatever, but the reality is that you really need to be asleep because guess what? You were back up the next morning to do the same thing over and over again. Now, keep in mind, training camp only lasted about four weeks. Of the four weeks, the first three weeks that we're in training camp, we are the only people on campus. There are no other students. There are no girls. The basketball team's not there. The track team's not there. It's just the Bulldog football team. And so you get to learn your teammates to get more familiar and everything. You get a chance to bond. Um, I was a little peeved because, you know, um, by the time I got to South Carolina State, I had become a big fan of a program on TV called The Young and the Restless. Um, and of course, I didn't have a DVR because this is 1991, but I got to go to sleep in between practices. I try to, I got to get some rest. I can't stay up and watch The Young and the Restless. Like, you got to, you got to get some rest, even if it's only an hour or two. And so it was just, it was a lot, man. It, it was a lot. And you had to keep going. And I, I will say this about two a days, particularly the two a days that we went through because it was so hard to be a bulldog. Um, you really didn't know what day it was. You did not know what day it was. Baylor, I'm telling you, it would be Thursday. Thursday and Monday looked the same because you're doing the same thing. 
You feel me? Um, and so like we never, you never could get comfortable. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was a push. It was a real, it was a situation where you really had to push yourself. Um, and it was just a constant cycle. Watch film, you know, go to break, excuse me, go to practice. And some guys would go to breakfast. I didn't, I don't think I would go to breakfast. Um, I would go to lunch after practice. I, I, cause if you had to go to breakfast, then you would have to go up there at like six o'clock. So you'd have to go eat breakfast, six o'clock, go get taped because you wanted to tape your body. If, for those who got taped, I never got taped. Um, I was superstitious about getting taped. <laughs> um, so you go to breakfast at six o'clock, finish eating breakfast, go to, you know, go to the stadium, get taped, get ready for practice, be on on the field you had and when i say practice started at eight o'clock meaning that you had to be on in your pads on the field you know you really if practice started at eight you had to be on the field at least 30 minutes before practice started i played wide receiver so you wanted to get out there and start catching some passes um and that was another thing too i'll be honest with y'all and I, I think i mentioned this on previous podcasts but it's worth repeating like i had the mentality of i thought <laughs> that I was this dope receiver coming out of Wilson High School in Florence, South Carolina, that I thought that, hey, man, I'm going to go to South Carolina State and tear it up. I'm going to be a starter, and I'm going to be the man, and I'm going to catch a 1,000 passes and whatever the case may be. Dolomite, it didn't work that way. Uh, the reason why I say that is because, like, when you get to campus, when you get on the field, one of the first things you notice is that everybody's good everybody's good not just the guy beside you the guy standing behind you is good the guy standing in front of you is good so you have to make an impression so every route that you run you got to run as fast as you can you can't drop passes um i remember one of the things that really really stood out to me was i remember stand we were we were, we were going out to catch passes we were running our routes and I saw this guy standing probably about five feet away from me. And he was about six foot three. Probably about 210, 220. As far as his weight. And he easily ran like a 4440. He was by far the biggest wide receiver I'd ever seen before in my life. And he was out there flying. And he didn't drop nothing. And his name's Rodney Hunter. Shout out to Hot Rod. And I remember watching Rodney run routes. And I told myself, King Germ, I don't know if I'm better than him. <laughs> and that's like a harsh reality that you come to like really pretty quickly is that you realize like, Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And you don't, it's not about you necessarily doubting yourself, but it's just like you, that, that reality hits you. Like there's some players on this field. Like I consider myself to be a player, but, but, but can I beat out this guy to get some playing time? And I'd never seen a six foot three, damn near six foot four wide receiver run that fast, catch passes like that. And then we had other receivers that were just, I mean, these dudes were six foot, six one. And I'm 5'7". Seven. I'm 5'7 seven with Tim's on, right? Um, at the time, 
probably about 155. So I'm like minuscule <laughs> compared to my team or some of my, my wide receiver teammates. And so in my mind, again, I'm I'm this freshman thinking, and I'm not cocky or arrogant with it. I'm just confident in myself. I'm thinking I'm going to play. And I quick, quickly realized, like, it's probably not going to happen. And so that reality kicks in. Um, and then you just look around, like, and I've never, I've, I'll be honest with y'all, like, I never paid attention to other people on my team as far as, like, how big they were or anything like that. But I was like, these some big people. And then once we put pads on and you were able to get hit, I tell people all the time, like, the worst hit that you take in high school football, that's the everyday hit that you take in college. So your body has to be strong enough to withstand it, particularly somebody like me who wasn't that big, relatively speaking. And I was cut up. <laughs> I was shredded back then. Um but yeah, I I've lifted weights, you know, religiously and um but no, you you get you're going to get hit. You know, the objective is is particularly as a wide receiver is to catch the ball and not get hit. And I think I did a pretty good job of that in practice. But no, it, it was you get slapped with reality pretty quickly. You realize like, hey, there's some competition on this field and you also realize like, hey, if I want to play here, I'm going to have to get better. And how do I get better? You study film and you work hard. You work hard in the weight room. You work hard in the classroom. You work hard on the field, off the field. You put in the time before and after practice. It's a myriad of things. And, you know, you got to be receptive to that. And you got to be receptive to what it is that you're doing. More importantly, what it is you're not doing. But training camp was tough. And again, we're doing all of this with nobody on campus. And keep in mind, there's no, there's no phone that I could, you know, play with and get on Twitter. You know, I, I did, I did by that time, I didn't bring my video games to camp, so because I didn't think I'd have time to play. So I don't have my video games. I don't have my phone. I miss my homies who hadn't even left for school yet. Um, I miss my family, obviously. And my cousin, um, Eric, who is like my right-hand man, he's coming to South Carolina State too, but he doesn't arrive for a couple of more weeks. So and he was on the band. So it's like, and I'm on this team that I don't know anybody. And um, you got to make friends and you're going to make friends with your freshman brothers. And um, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. It, it was, a, it was it was a minefield, to be honest, looking back on it. Um, and then we had a ritual. Or shall I say a hazing process. Uh, now, they don't refer to it as hazing, but what I'm about, about to tell you is hazing. It's, it's hazing 101. Um, back in 1991... We had this thing called the puppy line. Now, the name stems from Bulldog. Like I said, the school mascot is, as you can see, this helmet right here, the Bulldog. Well, before you become, before you can become a Bulldog, you are considered a puppy. And so, before you could be considered, 
considered a bulldog and to receive the bulldog benefits, if you will, or the props, you had to be a puppy. And so the first night that we're there, they say, hey, all of the freshmen and the guys who um, whose first year, who, who, who didn't get a chance to play last year, first year on the field, you guys come upstairs to room three uh, the, to room 350 and so everybody goes upstairs so i'm going walking up there and you know i'm and i'm just with a bunch of freshmen i don't know none of these dudes i don't know nobody um the first dude that i met uh was, <laughs> was a guy who i didn't know him but he was from this little place called lamar south carolina which lamar is not far from florence um guy by the name of chris stevenson we called him Big Shot. And so I got, I think Big Shot was probably the first guy that I met. Big Shot played center. Real, real funny dude. Cool dude. Still friends with him to this day. And he was the only person that I think I, by that time, I'd even introduce myself to. So we get in this room and it was like, line up on the wall. So they had us line up on this wall. And we're about 30 deep. And they were like, well, hey, Line up by height. So we line up by height. And, and now we don't know what's going on. We don't know. And nobody says, hey, you guys are going to be on puppy line. This is what it's going to be. It's going to be hazing and all of this. Nobody tells us nothing, right? So with me being one of the shortest, I think I was, yeah, I was like puppy number one. <laughs> and so we get there. And they're like, they asked, so some of the upper class, they asked, hey, where you, what's your name? Where you from? And I'm like, my name is Kyle. Where you from? I'm from Florence. What high school did you go to? I went to Wilson. Oh, you know Graham? Yeah, I know Graham. I, yeah, and Graham was upper class. He was a senior. Um, we went to high school. I didn't know Graham that well, but I knew of him. And he knew of me. Um, and Graham came in. He's like, hey, what's up, homeboy? He was on, I take that back. So Graham was the only person that I knew on the team. Graham and Craig, Craig James. And they, but they were older guys that played. They were like seniors when I was a freshman at Wilson. Um, so I knew of them, but I didn't know them like that, you know. And so at least I had two quote unquote homeboys on the team, but I, but they weren't my homeboys. And I didn't know them like that. So anyway, we're standing in this line. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Y'all on puppy line right now. What do you mean? What, what the hell is puppy line? And so they proceeded to tell us the rules for being on puppy line. Again, this by definition is hazing 101, but we didn't consider it to be hazing. So first and foremost, you had to wear the puppy uniform. Plain white t-shirt. Jeans, sneakers, and a tie. I'm going to say that again. Plain white t-shirt, and if you if you if your t-shirt had writing on it, you had to flip the t-shirt inside out. White t-shirt, jeans, sneakers, and a tie. Now, if you got on a white t-shirt, there's nothing to tie your the tie had to be tied. So this is not a dress shirt. This is just a plain t-shirt. So we were on puppy line. And we had to do whatever 
the upperclassmen told us to do. So if you were in the calf and you were, you got your food and you sat down, if an upperclassman said, hey, puppy, go get me something to drink, you had to stop eating and you had to go get that upperclassman something to drink. We had these trays that we carried our food on. If an upperclassman said, hey, puppy, take my tray up there and dump it. You had to literally take the tray up there and dump it. And the upperclassmen could make you do anything as long as we weren't inside the locker room or on the football field. But once we got outside of the football facility, we were then puppies. As puppies, we had rules. Check out these rules, Balaam. One, you could never be alone. Never. You were always supposed to be with at least one other puppy. We were told, unless an upperclassman gives you permission, you cannot talk to girls. Now, come on, man. I'm on a black college campus. I can't talk to a girl. Are you kidding me? (laughs) As puppies, you march in a line together. When we're going to Nance Hall, you're marching in a line together. Nance Hall was at the front of the campus. You're marching in in a line together. And you could never, ever, 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 ever let anybody break your line. And last but not least, as a puppy, you could not walk on the sidewalk. Now, our campus is pretty spread out, you know, at least for that particular time. Um, And there's sidewalks everywhere, but you couldn't walk on the sidewalk. If you violated any of those things that I just mentioned, you would get your head, your hair cut off. Bald head. Now, keep in mind, folks, this is 1991 nobody it wasn't cool to have a bald head the only people that had bald heads back then was michael jackson excuse me michael jordan and montel montel williams and i don't even know if montel was out then so it might have just been michael jordan he was the only person that had a bald head look cool so you didn't want to get your hair cut bald and then a brother like me i had a high top fade and i can't tell y'all how long it took me to grow said high top fade so I didn't want nobody cutting my high top fade. And here's the caveat. If you violated the rules twice, well, the first time you're going to get your hair cut all the way off. And you know we got rumors and stories like, yeah, they'll cut your hair bald and they'll use like different clippers. So, you know, you'll have patches in your hair and all kind of stuff like that. And, and they cut your mustache too. Like as puppies, you couldn't, you couldn't have any facial hair. Like, so you had to cut. So, that wasn't part of the punishment, but just as puppies, you couldn't have any facial hair. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. So imagine not being able to walk on the street, I mean, walk on the sidewalk, not being able to talk to girls, not being by yourself, not letting anybody walk, uh, take your line, and you had to, uh, excuse me, cut your line, and you had to wear a t-shirt, a plain white t-shirt, jeans, jeans. Keep in mind that it's 100 degrees in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And you got to wear jeans. You got to wear jeans. There's no, there's, you can't wear shorts at all. So every day you got to dress like this for three weeks. You ain't got that many white tees. 
And you know what? If you had a white T-shirt, you better wash it. If you got three white T-shirts, you better wash them and flip them inside out. And so this was going to be a routine for the next three weeks. And you're on puppy line until the week of the first game, which I think is like the fourth week. So for three weeks, you had to do this on top of learning your playbook and trying to become the best player that you could be. So hard to be a bulldog. And they made us sing that song. And we sang it over and over and over again. And the song is pretty simple. It says, so hard, so hard to be a bulldog. So hard to be at SC State. And that's true. It was hard to be a bulldog. I mean, like, here's the thing. Our colors are garnet and blue. Everybody can't wear garnet and blue. Everybody can't be a bulldog. Everybody can't run on that field on Oliver C. Dawson Stadium. Everybody can't do that. You're a part of the selective few. So we're going to choose you if you can survive two-a-days <laughs> and you can survive puppy line. And so all of this stuff is playing in as, as a freshman. And in 1991, a young 12 Kyle, a guy who stepped on South Carolina State's campus thinking that he knew everything was quickly learning that he did not know as much as he thought he did. And he also learned that life probably ain't as sweet as I thought it was. And this ain't going as easy as I thought it was. Because again, I'm somebody who's pretty confident. I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'll step on campus. I'm, I'm going to be a starter day one. I mean, I was so far on the depth. I, I was so far down on the depth charts. This wedding, I don't even know where I was on the depth charts. But I mean, like, you know, I knew, okay, they, they was like, okay, you're going to redshirt, meaning that you're going to be able to practice, but you're not going to play your freshman year. And a lot of freshmen get redshirted because, one, it gives them an opportunity to graduate on time or graduate within, you know, five years. Um, but you're just not ready for the college game. And, I mean, in my size, I wasn't. There was no way I was going to be ready, looking back on it now. Um, but then I'm, I'm, I'm this puppy. And so – Puppy lines going on, and and the first night, that first night they had us in the dorm, we literally almost get into a fight, fist fight, because one of the upperclassmen pushed one of the freshmen, and he pushed back. And so the next thing I know, somebody threw a blow, and as freshmen, we're in there scrapping, scrapping it out. And I mean, like, I it happened so fast, like, I was just... And I wasn't, I, I'm not even going to sit here and tell you I was throwing blows, but I grabbed somebody. I grabbed one of the upperclassmen and somebody threw a punch and he hit the guy. And I just remember, and then he broke it up or whatever like that. But it happened so fast. And I just remember like, we bonded so quickly. Like we literally on the first night were ready to fight, fighting for each other. And, you know, looking back on it, yeah, it was hazing, but it also taught us how to bond. One, Never be caught alone. That means you got to stick together. Never let anybody break your line, meaning that you got to stick together. You got to be as strong as the man in front of you and the man behind you. Um, The whole sidewalk thing was like, that was a mind trip, I think. But, you know, what's interesting was I got, <laughs> and it's something I didn't even realize until like my senior year in, high, in college. I got so used to not walking on the sidewalk that I would just walk on the street. Like on our, if you go on our campus, the sidewalks are big, 
and you know kids are walking back and forth the class but i i spent a lot of time not walking on the sidewalk just because i got used to doing it when we were on puppy line um but yeah got into a fight and so one day <laughs> one day i'm going to I, I went to lunch and i was late leaving the dorm i think i almost overslept or whatever like that we had an afternoon practice and so i didn't think nothing i'm gonna grab my book bag and i'm walking down to the stadium and not only am i walking down to the stadium by myself but i'm walking on the sidewalk next thing i know a car pulls up oh and that was another thing too as 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 puppies you couldn't get in a car with nobody uh, most freshmen didn't have cars. We did have a couple of freshmen uh, puppies who didn't, who had their cars. But you could, if you if you had your car on campus, you couldn't drive it. You couldn't drive as a puppy. So if you had your car, you were going to have to get around the best way you could until you were off puppy line. And so upperclassman pulls up, and he sees me by myself, and and on the sidewalk. And he said, hey, puppy. He just rolled his window out. He's like, hey, puppy. Come to room 105 tonight after practice. So I'm like, damn. Shit. Can't believe it. I got caught out there, right? And so after practice, I came and they cut my hair bald. And I mean, this is, I, I'm somebody who, like, it took me forever to get that high top fade. I mean, my high top fade wasn't like kid from kid and play, but it was, it was, it was up there for me. And so now I don't have any hair on the top of my head. We're we're all puppies, so you can't have any facial hair. Now, full disclosure, I I couldn't when I was in high school. I couldn't grow like a beard or nothing like that. I had, <laughs> I would tell people my mustache was like it was like a football field. It was eleven people, on, eleven hairs on one side, eleven hairs on the other side, like a football football team in a football game, offense defense. So I had offense, defense on my face. I had a four pieces of hair up under my chin. And so I remember when they cut my facial hair, it was like, oh, man, it's going to grow back even faster. Man, don't even worry about it. Don't even trip. And I'm like, yeah, man, but I, nobody wants me. No dudes want to be walking around with the butt face. I mean, who? you can't pull no girls with the butt face. So anyway, so now this makes it even better because now not only do I not have any facial hair, but my hair on the top of my head, my high top fade is now gone. And, and I don't know if this is really where I want to be because now I'm starting to have doubts. It ain't what I thought it was going to be. I don't know. I don't know if I fit in here. Now, I'm having all of these thoughts and I, I never... I never shared that with like my folks. Um, but yeah, I was seriously contemplating like, I don't know if this is going to happen. And you can't really quit because like I've never quitted anything. I've, you know, you're not going to win at everything. I've taken L's. We all take L's, but I, me quit? No, I ain't never quit. And this is the game that I love. And, I've said it before in previous podcasts. It's worth repeating. I mean, like, football's my first love. I mean, long before girls came along, long before hip-hop came along, it was football. So I couldn't see myself, like, walking away. But, like, this wasn't what I – in my mind, this ain't what I signed up for. You got me down here in this hot-ass place. 
I don't know nobody. My, my quarterback's not here. My tight end's not here. My cousin's not here. My other classmates from Wilson who, who decided to come to South Carolina State. And keep in mind that South Carolina State was only 90 miles from where I grew up in Florida, South Carolina. So I'm contemplating like, I don't know, maybe maybe this just ain't me. And so um, <laughs> I remember uh, one day after practice, because here's the thing, like I said, freshmen couldn't drive. You could not be in a car, but you could be in a car of upperclassmen. So I remember I was just, I think I was just standing around downstairs and in the dorm. And one of my teammates came in the lobby. And I don't know why. And I mean, I don't even, to be honest, up until that point, I don't even know if he had if he had even said anything to me up to that point. And um he walks in the lobby and he says, Hey young, you you trying to get something to eat? Uh yeah, yeah. Come on, let's go. And that teammate. <laughs> was a guy by the name of Orlando Brown. Um, Orlando Brown, we called him Zeus. Uh, uh, Zeus is from D.C. Zeus was the biggest human that I'd ever seen before in my life. Zeus is probably about six foot nine, about 320 pounds. And I mean, like, he wasn't fat. He wasn't, he was just a big, I mean, like, the biggest human you'd ever want to see. And um, <laughs> I don't know what made Zeus pick me out. I didn't, like I said, I hadn't said anything to him. He just said, hey, come on, let's go get something to eat. And so we get in his truck, <laughs> the white truck. We get in Zeus's truck and we go to Burger King. And again, now Zeus this big six foot nine big dude, and I'm this little five foot seven wide receiver. DC, Florence, South Carolina. So we we riding in his truck to Burger King. Burger King ain't that far. And he's playing his go-go music, and it's loud as hell. And he's just bobbing his head. We ain't we're not even talking. He's just bobbing his head. And um we get to Burger King, we get out. We walk in. We about to walk in. He, I, he opens the door for me. I walk in, and he walks in behind me. So you got this little bitty dude and this huge behemoth guy. And um, we order our food or whatever like that. And um, <laughs> once we order our food, we get back in the truck. He turns the music down. He says, hey, man, where you from? And I was like, I'm from Florence, South Carolina. He said, hey, man, you're going you to be all right. You're going to be all right. He said, man, I've been watching, man. You got a lot of heart. You're going to be all right. He said, man, don't, don't give up. Keep doing your shit. And I was like, you think so? He's like, yeah, I'm telling you. He said, he said now, there's a whole bunch of dudes out there. He said, them motherfuckers ain't going to make it, but you're going to make it. And he is crazy DC accent. I'm, I'm messing it up, but... <laughs> I, he don't know this. I was contemplating that same day 
I was about to call home and be like, yo, y'all come and get me. This ain't it. This ain't happening. This this is not gonna be what it's gonna be for me. I was seriously contemplating like giving up football. Cause I I, mean, I didn't see where I didn't see the vision. I didn't see where I was gonna fit. I didn't think that South Carolina State was gonna be the fit for me. And I don't know how or why he did it, but I'm glad he did because he saw something. I don't know what he saw. He saw me practice, but you know, I, I didn't think I looked any, it wasn't like I was out there like Randy Moss on people, <laughs> but, um, big Zeus, man. Um, Zeus, uh, for that gesture alone, he was one of my favorite teammates. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, that he was my closest teammate. Um, but we got to be real cool. And um, we would battle. Yeah, as the years would go on, we would battle on um, video games. Um, and Zeus went on to uh, the NFL. Um, he played quite a few years in the NFL. And I mean, many many of you, if you're a football fan, you remember him. Uh, he was the one who had gotten hit in the eye with a flag, and he ended up being out of football for I think a year and a half or so ended up suing the NFL got his money um then he came back and played some more years very dominant um had a great NFL career um you know unfortunately Zeus passed away um a few years ago um and I never got a chance to tell him but like (laughs) Anytime when he played with Baltimore or when he played with Cleveland, anytime he was on TV, I'd be like, man, that's Zeus. That's my man right there. And so I would always tell people that and, and tell people that story. And um, and just have, I mean, like, if you know Zeus, Zeus, it was just, <laughs> he was just, he was funny. And, um, but yeah, I never got a chance to tell him that, you know, that, and, and I really did appreciate him for doing that for me. I, I don't know if he'll ever know how much that meant to me. Um, Zeus's son, Orlando Jr., um, went on to follow in his father's footsteps, and he's currently playing in the NFL. Um, he won a he won a Super Bowl ring last year with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and he just uh, signed with the Cincinnati Bengals at the time of this recording. He is, I want to say, the highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL and he's been an all-star pro bowler for the last three or four years now good kid really good kid um and uh, a lot like his dad man a lot like his dad um but yeah Zeus is one of my favorite teammates um one of my favorite not again not the closest but anytime I tell the training camp story I got to tell that story about Zeus um (laughs) and even funnier story uh so camp is almost over it's almost time for the students to come on campus and we had our media day and (laughs) this reporter was like hey they're pulling people here and there they're talking to seniors and stuff like that and we had a guy who's a senior his name is robert porsche porsche was all american coming into the senior year and um he actually became the 
highest draft pick from South Carolina State University. Uh, he was drafted number 26 by the Detroit Lions in the first round that year. Um, but anyway, so it's Porsche's senior year, and this guy grabs me and said, hey, uh, would you mind taking a picture with Robert? Um, we want to kind of compare and contrast your 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 heights. Porsche is like a guy like 6'4", like 275, something like that. You know, great athlete or whatever. And so they wanted to have this big, <laughs> this really big guy and this really little guy. And we're standing there. And we're standing on the, on like the 50-yard line and we're standing with, we have our hands on our hips and he's towering over me. And so we take this picture. I don't know what this picture is for. And again, I got the ball head, no facial hair. I'm looking crazy. And <laughs> the next day, my dad comes down because he's bringing my cousin Eric down. Um, and <laughs> my dad comes down and I'm talking to my dad and, you know, I'm happy to see Eric and they're moving the stuff in the dorm. He's like, Hey, did you, uh, did you see yourself in the paper? Huh? What paper? He was like, it's in a, he's like, it's a picture of you and some guy in the newspaper. And I'm like, well, what paper? What, who, what guy? He was like, you see so you and some big guy. And I was like, Oh, me and Porsche? And he's like, yeah. I was like, so now when he said paper, I'm thinking it's back in the hometown paper. And I'm like, oh man, no, man, I can't be in the hometown paper with no haircut, no no facial hair. And he was like, no, he's like, no, it wasn't in the Florence Morning News. It was in the state paper. Now, if you're not familiar with the state paper, if you're from South Carolina, not from South Carolina, the state paper was what is called the state. And it's the state newspaper and it covers all of the state. And it is the one newspaper that is distributed throughout the state of South Carolina daily. And so not even making that, I made the state paper. I was like, oh my gosh, man, I hope, I hope the honeys don't see me. <laughs> and I wasn't dating anybody at the time, but that was just like, um, that was just my thing. I was just like, nah, this can't happen. But anyway, um, so it, it, it camp, we, you, you survived camp. Um, I got to be really, really tight with, you know, my fellow puppies. Um, probably even to this day, one of my closest friends, um, my man, Russ, Russell Thomas. Um, I always laugh because like, my first memories of Russell was that night, that first night Russell was fighting and he had on like three of the tightest gold chains you ever want to see in your life. Um, but the thing that stood out to me was like, he was a little dude, but he wasn't scared to get in there and, and, and scrap it out. And he was one of the leaders. He was one of the ones that led us from like day one. And you know, it, it ain't too many people that you can run into. You can say, okay, that's a born leader right there. That was Russ born leader, hands down. Um, and so fast forward, camp is coming to an end. Girls on campus and <laughs> everything changed once the girls got on campus. I mean, like you were just happy to see black faces. <laughs> you were happy to stop looking at these same rusty looking dudes that you were looking at for the last three weeks, three and a half weeks. And um, it changed everything, changed perspective. Um, you know, once the girls came on campus, we knew we had a couple of 
couple of days before classes started. Um, but it was just it was just good getting that interaction. Um, <laughs> one of the things that they do when you're on puppy line is to um, how can I put this in the in the midst of the hazing, they will embarrass you. So I remember one day uh, we were chilling and it was the puppies. We were just kind of chilling in the dorm and the upperclassmen, they got us all in the line. And uh, my man, Calvin Colson, shout out to Colson. Colson comes up. He said, hey, can anybody, any of these puppies, can any of y'all sing? Can anybody sing? So my man, Big Shot, that I mentioned earlier, he raised his hand. I raised my hand. And so <laughs> we didn't know what we were raising our hands for. It was like, okay, okay. He's like, what can you sing? And so Big Shot sang something. I think I sang Less Chill from Guy. It's like, okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. So we got back in line. So we had a team meeting at Nance Hall. So we're walking through, we're walking up to the front of the campus, all of us in one line, one straight line. You can't let nobody break the line or whatever the case may be. Uh, the upperclassmen are yelling stuff to us. So we get to the front of the campus and there were two girls dorms that you had to walk through to get to Nance Hall. And Well, you could walk around them, but they wanted to walk through the courtyard. And so there was Bradham Hall and then there was Manning Hall. Manning Hall and Bradham Hall and so you walk through and then like we walked through there that particular day and nobody was outside and then all of a sudden all of these girls just start coming outside they're coming outside and hanging out the windows all kind of I mean it's like a hundred girls and so we stopped so then they made us so then it was like okay well we about to embarrass these we about to make them do all kind of stuff so you had to go you know if, a, if an upperclassman told you you know, hey, go over there and get that girl's number. You had to go get her number. And like she, <laughs> they, they weren't going to take no for an answer. So you so you had to say like, hey, you know, my big brother, my big teammate, um, you know, upperclassman, he wants your phone number. Can he get it for me? Or can I get it for me? Or whatever the case may be. And so <laughs> anyway, so it's, it's about 20 girls there standing around. And so all I hear is Colson say, Where's my singing puppies at? <laughs> I was like, man, you're not about to make us sing in front of these girls. And sure enough, me and Big Shot, we had to serenade the girls. And, um, you know, this was, it, it was funny, but it, it was also cool because, you know, the, the upperclassmen assured us that, you know, hey, this will get you some play. Come on, man, I don't need, I don't need you to help me get no play. But anyway, um, and and we still laugh about that to this day because like, you know, for some it did help them get play. <laughs> Being a puppy, uh, walking around in a white t-shirt, jeans, and a tie around your neck. Um, but yeah, it, it training camp was it, it was it was all of that stuff. And I mean, I, it's it's a bunch of stuff that I've left out. But I mean, like it was a lot of a lot of fun. Um, it was tough though. But I mean, like the words were so true. It's so hard to be a bulldog. Everybody can't be a bulldog. Um, you learned a lot. I think more than anything, I learned how to push myself. Uh, the physical pain of going through practice and being tired, being fatigued, and your body being tired and fatigued, um, and just dealing with that heat, man. That heat. I mean, that heat was brutal. But you, you, you. 
kind of got through it. You just found a way each day to get through it. Um, and it kind of prepared you for the game, you know, the football game that you were going to play because in the football game, you're going to be banged up. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be, um, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have situations where you get down, you know, are you going to quit? You know, that's the biggest thing. I didn't quit. Um, and, and, and again, not a lot of people know about that conversation that I had with Zeus. You know, I don't think I, t- I think I might've told one, one or two teammates later, but no, I mean, if, if, if Zeus doesn't make that, and me and Zeus don't make that ride, and he doesn't tell me that. And again, I still, even to this day, and I, I kind of wish Zeus was still, well, I still wish he was here. God, God bless his soul. Um, definitely rest in peace. I wish he was here. Cause I, I would want to ask him and I never asked him as cool as we got to be. I never asked him what made him pick me of all the people to say, Hey, let's go to Burger King. And he felt the need to put those bugs in my ear. Um, but yeah, it, it training camp prepared you and you learn the adversity. You learn how to do everything. You learn how to prepare yourself and get ready for life. And that's what it was. And I think more than anything else, I think, um, training camp taught me when you step on that field when you step on the campus of South Carolina State University more than anything else it's a battle it's a battle but the battle's not physical the battle really is mental it's really what's between your ears. What you tell yourself, what you feed yourself. If you don't think you can do it, you you won't. If you think you can succeed, you will. And it's about the people that you surround yourself with and them pushing you and you pushing them for greatness. And that's what it was all about. And I'm so glad that I stayed. I'm so glad that I didn't leave. Um, but like I said earlier, everybody can't wear the garnet in blue. I mean, it's so hard to be a bulldog. It's so hard to be a bulldog. And no words were more ever true. And hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for me. Thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Uh, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. The podcast drops every Thursday at midnight from time to time. We drop bonus episodes on Sundays. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, hit us up. Cash app. T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. Again, that's going to do it for me. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.